been going through Romans. And if you have your Bible, turn there with me to Romans chapter 3. We're going to finish chapter 3 and go to chapter 4 today. But we've been walking through, and, and even as we sang, we'll walk by faith and not by sight. What is that? What is to walk by faith? We're looking today at righteousness by faith alone and trying to drive into our hearts again the truth of the gospel. We've tried it with various images as we've gone through so far in Romans. We're taking a quick walk through Romans. And we remember how, how we were a twisted tree we saw last week. This is who we are. We know. We see it. We see sin. And yet we saw this incredible truth last week that by faith, in Jesus Christ, God sees us a different way. God sees us as vibrant and alive. And in fact, we are, because if God sees it, it's true. It's still hard to believe. I think through that a little bit. You know, one of the things I get to do is I, I get to interview college applicants because I went to school on the East Coast for university and so folks on the West Coast that can't go, I interview them. And they all kind of go the same. They come and they sit down with me and they say, well, why should you get in? They get right at it. Oh man, you should see my grades. You should see all the AP courses I've taken. You should see my great athletic accomplishments. Some of them have amazing things that they've done. You should see the, my musical pieces. You should see how I volunteered at the hospital. You should see all the fantastic things that I've done. And I write a little report and I send it off to the university about how awesome they are. They are almost uniformly awesome. I've never had anybody come up to me and say, sit down, you plied. Why should I, uh, I want to go. Well, what, what have you done? I, hey, have you read any good books? Read. <laughs> I don't read. I don't know how. Okay, math. Well, I got adding, but subtraction is kind of hard. That sort of thought that, hey, you got nothing. Nothing. And then that person in the mail gets an acceptance letter to go to the university. You're like, what? Wow. There's been some mix-up. I knew he got the names wrong when he sent those reports in. No, this is what we've been talking about. The one who makes us righteous gives us a new heart and a new mind, so it's not even our abilities. And we've been looking at why this is not unjust, because we've seen Jesus. And we thought, oh, we've been looking at the wrong axis. Because we look at what we do and how that's going to justify us, let us stand before God. And we see, no, it doesn't. Only, the only hope we have is in the righteousness of somebody else, Jesus Christ, and believing in him. So we ended last week. You see it there that we ended, and we say that it's been only. God, that no one, for all of sin, this is our memory verse, and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This is to show his righteousness, verse 26, at the present time, so that God might be the just one 
and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. So we're righteous, we're justified. Many people know justified as just as if I'd never sinned. That's good, but there's more. Just as if I'd always obeyed. For your whole life. That's an awesome reason to sing, and we've been singing this morning. But he's not done. And if you hear that, oh, I pray that it might just not wash over you again today. Oh, yes, justified. I've been justified. That sounds like a great word. No, stop. This peace has to drive into you and me and impact everything we see. Righteous by faith alone, accounted as righteousness, right before God. What does it mean? So I say, okay, I'll take that. I've done it. I put my faith in Jesus. So we're looking today at how that plays just a little bit out that it's true. Okay, here we go. What happens in this in this passage we're looking at today? First, we look at pride shaken, but this paragraph right here from verse 27 in chapter 3 through the end of the chapter gives us three pieces, three statements about our justification, our righteousness in faith. Let's read it, verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. He will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? No, by no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Okay, I just want to point out what's going on. Because we read these things, we just kind of let it like a river flow. We don't stop. What's the argument? What are we doing? What's happening? How can this impact me? See three things going on here, three pieces that he states as true. First, what becomes of our boasting, our pride, our confidence in ourselves? It's excluded, he says. It's done. You can't have any confidence in yourself. That list of stuff that I bring to my college interview, I got nothing there that I can say, okay, God, this is good stuff so that I can stand before you and you can let me into your good heaven. I can't boast in in anything. This is not a new law. I says, is this a new law? Because that's what he's asking. Right? He says, so you, you can't boast. If you're justified by faith, there's no boasting. There's no you over other people. It's excluded. You say, oh, well, there's a new law. Then I just give you a law. No boasting. Oh, another rule. No, 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 no. Not by the law of works. Not saying that's going to be a work for you. Hey, when you get to heaven, you can tell God, I didn't boast. No, but... By the law of faith. You see, it flows from faith. If your belief and trust is in Jesus, then that's where you live. There's anything good in me, it's Christ. There's anything good done through me, it's Christ. Paul's going to say later on in Romans in chapter 15, oh, I'm so proud of the work. Then he makes sure he says that Jesus did through can't boast, no boasting, not there. 
Then, and next he says there's no prerequisites, right? If we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law, or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, the Gentiles too, since God is one. He justifies the circumcised by faith, the uncircumcised through faith. Those are not different ways. Those are ways to bring out, look, it's faith. It's faith. It's faith if you're a Jew and you're part of the special God's special chosen people and you've had this long history of fantastic goodness and you're circumcised at the sign of the seal of Father Abraham. And it's true if you have nothing. Only faith in Jesus. And then he says, this last piece, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. This is the most difficult piece. I don't think you probably have logical difficulty with saying we can't boast in Jesus. I don't think you probably have difficulty saying that Jews and Gentiles are the same in Jesus. You might have difficulty saying that we uphold the law by faith in Jesus. What in the world does that mean? So it's a really good thing he gave us chapter 4. Because otherwise I'd be scratching my head too. There's like eight interpretations of this. But the good thing is he gave us chapter 4. What does chapter 4 do? Chapter 4 takes those four questions. What about boasting? Isn't there some good confidence I can have in me? Isn't there some self-righteousness that I can have for me? And isn't there something really special about being in the in-group? Number two. And number three. Do you uphold the law? And he brings in as his from stage left. Here he comes up the thing. I was, we'll bring him in today. But you imagine he's coming in. Father Abraham. That's what he does. He's going to use Abraham. The father of Israel. The man who God spoke to said, leave your country and come and I will make you the father of many nations. The guy's going to bring him in. Exhibit A. To help you understand these three questions to help you get him in your heart today. That's the proof that he's going to give about you shaking your pride at not being about you at all. About faith in Jesus. That's what he does. So let's look at chapter 4 and see those three questions again. First about our boasting. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, verse 1? Our forefather according to the flesh. That means, hey, father of Israel, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Oh, yeah. Remember Abraham? He did what God... Hey, remember him and Isaac? He took his own son and was going to sacrifice him there. Oh, man, he had good deeds before God. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness. We brought up this last week, that's Genesis 15, 6. That's Abraham listening to God, promising him, and the text said he believed God. And then the text says, and God accounted it to him as righteousness. Accounted as righteousness. Wow! This is it. You'll be standing before God forever. Why, Abraham? Because I believed in the promise of God. 
Now, verse 4, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. You see, if you're going to work, if what it was that Abraham was working and then he has something to boast about, it's not a faith thing. He, he deserves it. He deserved to be counted as righteousness. No, says Paul. Because and to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. See, two things going on here, right? Two paths you can try and take. You can try and please God. You can try and say, I'm going to do everything I can to please God. Not trust that I have nothing, but work towards getting him to view me rightly. Or you can say, I'm going to trust what God says. I'm going to trust in his promises. And this is Abraham trusting it says, look at accounted as righteousness. God said you are righteous by your belief itself. Wow. Just in case Abraham's not enough, he's going to bring up David here in verse 6. Look, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, apart from what you do. And then he he quotes Psalm 32. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Oh, here's David. After he sinned with adultery and murder, and he, he comes and he says, Oh, how blessed is the man whom the Lord just puts his sin away. You see, that's being accounted righteous. That's one part of justification is God looks at David and and by his free gift. David didn't do anything to try and have penance before God. God just pushed that away and covered his sin. We saw it last week. 2 Samuel. Amazing. So you say, hey, look, Abraham. David, nothing to boast of, that they're righteous. The righteousness was given to them by God as they just believed in the promise that God could do that. We have particular promises too. But let's go on. Okay, is this, remember our first thing, boasting, it's gone. We'll talk about practicality of that at the end if we have time. Next piece. Maybe it... Maybe there's something i got to do to get in the door first. I'll believe that promise, but I need to be part of this in-group first. Because look, is this blessing then, verse 9, only for the circumcised, new paragraph, or for the uncircumcised? Here it is. Oh, wait. Is it only for this special group? i got to get in the special group first, and then I can believe, and God will account me as righteous, as, as good before him, as standing. Right, true, a beautiful tree, a perfect tomato. We say, verse 9, that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. Counted, reckoned, thought, by God declared. How then, verse 10, was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? 
See, that's the question, because circumcision was the mark of being a Jew. Circumcision was the mark of saying, I belong to God. Circumcision was the commanded thing, even if there was no law in Abraham's day. There's no Mosaic law. Moses is way after Abraham. God gave Abraham a command. He said, hey, your kids and everyone after you, circumcise them as a seal, a mark, a, a, a thing that says you've, you've done it. You're in my group. Surely we've got to do that. No, look what he says. Was it before or after? See, the time matters to Paul. He says, you can go back and look. You can go back and look in the law. The five books of Moses. You can go back and look and see. When was the circumcision done? When Abraham, when God said to Abraham, you're righteous, I count it to you. In my eyes, God himself. Was Abraham circumcised? No, he says. Verse 10, it was not after, but before he was circumcised. We won't take the time to look, but you can look on your own. In chapter 15, verse 6, is when God accounts Abraham as righteous, when he believes the promise of God. In, in Genesis chapter 17, verses 10 and 11, 12, he says there, oh, look, be circumcised. That's two chapters later. He's already righteous. And the, the, the sign of the circumcision, it says in verse 11, is a seal, a mark of the righteousness that he had by faith when he was still uncircumcised. So the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised. you get it? The purpose was to make Abraham the father of everyone who believes, whether or not they've got this seal. The point is the faith. All who believe so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him, Abraham, the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It's not a bad thing to be circumcised. It's just about the faith. Okay, we're, we're walking through. These are these three questions. But, but the questions are there for a purpose. They, they point us back to this radical, huge, massive thing. This is our life, you and I. This is all we have. Whether or not we're going to be standing before God, the king of the universe, and he looks at us in our whole life and he says, you're right. You're true. Oh, I'm working in you and making you a living tree. By faith, that's it. Do you believe? So one more piece, it's the hardest piece. Remember the question, do we then overthrow the law? Do we then overthrow the law by faith? Hey, th th it's not about what I do, so toss it. And he said, no, by, by no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. How do we think about that? How does that play in? I said this is the hardest because, because what we do with misunderstanding this one is we go and we put ourselves back under the law. You do this. I do this. It's so, it tempts me so much. 
I want to show God my cool sheet, my awesome resume. I want to do something to show God I'm worthy of what he's done for me. What does he say? Verse 13, chapter 4, Abraham. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it if, if it's the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. The law brings wrath. But where there's no law, there's no transgression. What, what, okay, what does that have to do with upholding? What's going on? Here's what's going on. Law. Beautiful. Perfect. Do we throw it away? Or, or do we say, no, 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 we uphold it by our saying, righteousness is by faith alone, apart from the law. We do. Here's the deal. You and I are saved apart from the law. You and I don't have to say to the law, oh, we think the law is not true, not perfect, not beautiful, somehow out there and terrible. No, it's perfect, good, fantastic. But, verse 13, salvation didn't come through the law through the righteousness of faith. So what God did was something, he, he had to do something apart from the law for us. I can fully uphold the law and yet know that I wasn't saved through it. Not directly. And further, look, if, if it's about the law, if it's about the rules, if it's about the Mosaic law, keep the Ten Commandments. If it's about that and those things, then, what does he say in 14 again? Look, faith is null. The promise is void. What does that mean? Here's what it means. If you say, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ, but what Jesus Christ does is he keeps me to keep the law personally. So therefore, I'm righteous, self-righteous. What God did was give me righteousness and he made me good so that I can do that law, the Mosaic law, the one that has the Ten Commandments and the 300 positive and the 300 negative commands. Those things, guess what? You're not going to heaven. Because the law says, even after you're a Christian, if you put yourself under it, you're not perfect. Doesn't it? I mean, if you're going to be true with me, we're just going to shine it on and say, well, I tried. Well, that's okay. But if you're actually going to say, hey, did I do it? I never coveted anything after I became a Christian. I never stole anything after I became a Christian. I never looked at a woman with lust after I became a Christian. Liar. So if that's how we're saved, then the promise is null and void because you can say you believe in Jesus, but if what you're doing is saying it's based on did you keep this law or not, you're not doing it. So if it's about you keeping the law, you're done. It can't be that. So for upholding the law, it's not that way. It's not by taking Christians and putting them back under the Mosaic law and saying, okay, now Jesus has given you a little dollop of butter. I mean, righteousness. Go for it. That's not it, is it? Because as we uphold the law, and we do, 
we know this. The law brings wrath. Verse 15. The law brings wrath. That's what it does. That's the purpose of it. It is there, shining and perfect, to bring wrath, including to me if I don't believe in Jesus Christ. Those things where I say, okay, here it is. There's the law. It's perfect. It says to me, I'm not perfect. God says, nobody who's not perfect will enter my perfect heaven. The purpose of the law is to drive us to our knees that we might say, I can't. I can't read. I can't do arithmetic. Not to God's standard. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. It appears what he's saying there is that what the law does is bring the recognition of the rebellion. Where there's no law, you don't see it. But 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 where you do, that, that peace is there. We actually see it. The law is good. It brings wrath. That's a good thing. That is why it depends on faith. Paul writes in verse 16. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, but to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all. Look, we uphold the law, but our salvation, the promises. Remember what God promised to Abraham? He promised him he'd be the father of many nations. He promised him a land and a people. He promised him that he would have somebody forever, people there, thousands, his seed. He pointed forward to Jesus. He promised that to Abraham. The promise didn't come because God looked and said, Abraham's a good guy. The promise came because Abraham says, rested on his trusting that God's promise is true. The promises we have are through Jesus Christ. Do you know them? Abraham. Upholding the law. Because you see, actually the law records right there in Genesis 15. It records right there in Genesis that Abraham's faith did not come through keeping that law. That in fact the law brought wrath, but here's Abraham believing and that's his faith. See, we we uphold that the law brings wrath, but look what God does. He makes another way. He's the father of us all by his faith. As it is written, verse 17, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed. This is what happened with Abraham. So he takes us through. Again, Abraham's still here showing us that faith is through faith in God. That's how we get righteousness, not through the law, even though we're upholding the law. God's making something different. What is that? How does it work? Well, look. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. This is again quoting the promise given to Abraham in whom... Abraham believed. This is the God, look, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Do you catch that? See, if we uphold the law and we're saying that our salvation is not through it, then we got to believe in a God who does what? Makes dead things live. We have to believe in a God who makes 
things new that don't exist. Isn't that amazing? Just, just chew on that for a minute. Chew on the fact that it's not through the existent law that somehow your past, your grade becomes, but it's through God making dead people live. That's your faith. God calling into existence things that don't exist. We know he's that way because of creation, and there's a little flavor of creation there. But this is really about us. Apart from the law, God making things that are dead to the law. How are we going to get out of this law thing? We're going to see. It's about being dead. And through that death, then God making somebody alive. You've heard of resurrection, huh? Life is in Jesus Christ. This is your faith. Not about the law. It's incredible. Okay, keep going. We're still there. 18. In hope. This is Abraham. Abraham believed against hope. This is just mean, means that everything was against him, but he still believed. He hoped. So connected to faith, isn't it? Faith being the substance of things hoped for. In hope, he believed against hope that he, Abraham, should become the father of many nations, which is what God said. Believe in the promise, you see. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith, verse 19, when he was consider, when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred. <laughs> it's meant to be funny. Sorry, you guys. Anybody here hundred? <sighs> good as dead. I didn't say so. The Bible did. <laughs> Since he was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred, you know, or when he considered the barrenness of, of Sarah's womb, he didn't weaken in faith. There he believed that God said it was true. It was true. He didn't weaken in faith when he saw he was old. Sarah was barren. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Cool, huh? steadfast, believing in the promises. Notice what it doesn't say. He grew in his righteousness. Why? He's accounted as righteousness by God. What matters is your faith. God gives the righteousness. God declares the righteousness. It's not you, oh, I'm getting more and more righteous day by day. No, you're accounted with the righteousness of somebody else, Jesus Christ. So he's not getting more righteous. He's growing in faith by giving glory to God. Why do we sing? So that you and I can more and more say, yes, what I'm saying with my mouth, what I'm saying in my heart, it's true, it's true, it's true. I remind myself. Why do we take communion? I remind myself week by week, oh, look what's been promised me. Though I was dead, yet I will live. This is Abraham. Something really important. One is that circumstances, right, will batter you. It battered Abraham. He believed, and yet these circumstances were not ideal. Get that. This is faith in the promise, not faith in what you see. I so want it to be about what I see. I would believe if God would just do this for me. That, that That's not Abraham. He's believing, though he's a hundred. Time to have a child. No, no, God, it's about time for me to have great-great-grandkids. No. Okay, the other thing that's really important for you to see before we leave Abraham here, the other thing that's important to see, look, he believed. 
Did he read that? Did you see how strongly he presents Abraham? He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. You haven't read Genesis, Paul? This is Abraham who feared for his life, and so he passed off his wife as his sister. This is Abraham who has a whole nother family by Sarah's maid, Hagar. What Paul's not saying is that Abraham was sinless, is he? That's really important. Abraham doesn't stand before you as a sinless man. Look what he did. He was so afraid for his own life that he's out there lying his teeth through. He threw through his teeth. Losing his teeth. Is he lost? No. He's in there with, with the, the, look at him. He's, he's trusting God's gonna do it, but then he takes matters into his own hands. Isn't that, isn't that sin? That he had a wife and he's off there making a family with somebody? No! Abraham, you're not, oh, you're not doing, you're not my golden example of perfection. Duh. It's not about perfection in your works. It's not about your sin. You'll hate your sin. Abraham would, would undoubtedly stand and testify, I wish that I had trusted God and not lied about my wife. But you know what? It's why it's here. Look, his faith, his belief in God's promise, that's what made him righteous before God. That's God doing it. Don't get me wrong. And so we have in verse 20, 21, fully convinced, he said, that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. God will do what he has promised. Therefore, we uphold the law. That's what we're doing. Let me say that the law brings wrath. We're just saying we're dead to that Mosaic law. And now we have life through faith in Jesus. That's where our righteousness is coming from. It's coming from there, not from law. I want to just take a minute, and we're almost done. This will be very quick. But, but I want to see with us that, that it applies to us. These things apply to us. Look, verse 23. But the words, it was counted to him. God counted it to Abraham. Those were not written for Abraham's sake alone. But for our sake, it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. You see that? This account of Abraham. We're bringing forward Abraham so you can see, even in the law, the writings of the Torah, the Old Testament, that it was about faith. And the law, the Mosaic law, didn't save Abraham. It didn't get him righteous. It was faith in the promises of God. That piece is for us to understand. We who believe in Jesus Christ. Right? There's no boasting for us. There's nothing to boast about. I'm not better. The point is the promise. The point is what Jesus has done, not what I've done. 
There's no Jew or Gentile. There's no man or woman in Jesus. Jesus Christ was delivered up for our trespasses, right? This is where the law comes in because he was perfect under the law. Perfect to free us. And then Jesus was raised for our justification. Don't miss that he's saying this. Raised. Resurrection is for our righteousness before God. His resurrection is for that. What's going on? God made Jesus alive from the dead. He didn't not die. He didn't fall asleep. Jesus Christ died for the payment of the law. The law says judged. God's wrath through the law poured out. That's his propitiation. Jesus Christ, our atonement offering. We looked at that last week. Here it is. Jesus Christ, wrath of God for all the terrible things we've done on Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ died. That's payment. But look, he says as he ends the chapter. Look. Delivered up for our trespasses, got it, and raised for our righteousness. It's not just washed, it's given something. Given Jesus' righteousness, because God made Jesus Christ who was dead, he made him alive. And when he did, read, read Ephesians chapter 2, when he did, he promises, just as Jesus was alive, so you, in Jesus Christ, you will be alive. That's our hope. That life, something new, will be, will be brought from the death that is in us from the law. Brought to life in Jesus Christ in his resurrection from the dead. That's what baptism is. A picture. Okay. You walk through a whole chapter of the Bible. Good job. That may be a lot for you. Get the video. It goes online. Look at it again. Walk through this chapter. Get in your heart, you and I. Oh, it is all about my being accounted righteous by God. How do I get that? By faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's how I get it. It's so radical, faith is. We're so closely connected to the work of Jesus Christ that by grace, it's a gift. Jesus' work is mine. Yours too. If we stand together, we're going to stand with the work of Jesus Christ as ours. Not as our resume of my works under the law. Please don't go there. I read you a quote from a pastor in the 1700s who he agreed with this. There's a story to it, but I just want to read the quote. He says, but yet to this moment... I find it the hardest thing to deny righteous self. I mean, to renounce my own strength and righteousness and not to lean on that for holiness or to rely on this for justification. Here's what we do, you and I. We don't stand before God in our holiness, in our righteousness. We stand before God in Jesus's. So what do we do? We fall to our knees in humility. And we bounce in gratitude. Oh, I can't believe this has been given to me. 
We're righteous our whole life. Obedience flows from that. We haven't gotten better to prove. We've gotten killed and raised with Jesus Christ from the dead so that we're no longer under the law, but have a new heart and a new mind. I would say to that kid who comes to go to college and says, I can't read. I can't run. I can't do. The answer for us in Christianity is, you're right. You're going to need a new heart and a new mind, new lungs, new body. The one who can do that, who gives us new life, is our Savior. Put your trust in Him. Let's pray. Thank you.